0: Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love & Life, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril. Welcome to Love & Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril. Just in case I haven't said it enough, I love hearing from you. Your comments and feedback mean so much to me. And of course, your questions tug at my heartstrings, especially because I've been there, felt that, regarding most of the concerns you share with me. So on that note, it's time for another Q&A episode. Our first question is from a listener who's over 40 and beginning to feel like there's no way love will ever come her way. Another listener wonders if she can make things right with a guy she believes she's scared off. At the end of the episode, I'll share some details on how you can join the Love and Life book club or the Love and Life support groups I'll soon be rolling out. Another Love and Life Q&A episode after this. If you're in the market for a graphic designer to help you with well, a lot of different things, I highly recommend Sarah Jordan of Pixel Bash Designs. Sarah has a lot going on. She's a web and graphic designing, video editing, social media managing, doodling sticker maker with an Etsy shop. I reached out to Sarah when I wanted to convert some of my fave hashtags into a sticker sheet. Make it happen, take charge of your thoughts, take charge of your life, of course, and true love is worth the wait. Sarah was a dream to work with. She took the time to fully understand what I was looking for and then quickly created super clever and on-brand graphics. She went above and beyond what I'd hoped for. Check out Sarah's Etsy shop and Instagram at Pixel Bash Designs for your next graphic design project. Hi Dr. Karen. Um my question is how do you encourage women over the age of 40 that it is possible to get married and to meet somebody when it just seems like life is that, that I'm behind in life. Everybody always talks about everything is so great in your life and you travel and you get to do what you want. And all of that is fine and dandy. And it is true. I have a great life, great family, great friends, but so do my married friends. So if, it, if this was a race, I would be losing because I'm behind. And I'm just wondering how in the world you stay encouraged and believe that after 40, it is possible to find somebody and to get married and live happily ever after. As I mentioned in the intro, so often your questions really tug at me because I've been there, felt that. And this is one that I have absolutely felt. When I first started writing my book, I was in my late 30s, 40 was looming, and there was not a man in sight. And in fact, the very first version of the book didn't have all the stuff about Dan because I hadn't met him yet. So I was 40 years old, trying to believe what I wrote in my book, that it just hadn't happened yet for me, but that my person was out there. And it's hard. You do feel discouraged. You do feel demoralized. And as you put it, you feel like you're behind. And that's a very real and valid feeling to have. Not that life's a competition, because of course we don't want to be competitive with our friends, but we do. We go, wow, she's got the husband and the kids and the life that I want. and What's she doing right that I'm not doing? And we doubt ourselves and the questions, and it can get so frustrating. And I hear it in your voice. You sound weary at times. And I'm just, just please know that everything you feel is so legitimate. And I have so much empathy for it, especially because I lived that for a long time. And of course, I do want to recommend my book because it speaks to everything you talked about. I even have a chapter called Don't Compare Yourself to Your Married Friends, Keeping Up with the Jones. And in this case, I don't mean Jones as in the last name. I mean, Joan as in the woman's name and how we can play those comparison games with each other. And if the metric by which you're comparing yourself against your friends is marriage then you're losing. You're right. You you put it this way. You said if life was a race, I would be losing. And I would encourage you to reframe all of that. And I walk you through that in the book because it's not a competition, though sometimes it feels like a competition. I remember in my late twenties, uh, some of our friends had gotten married out of college, and I was talking to one of my friends. And he was also single and we were just like, oh my gosh, we're still single. In late 20s, of course, now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, we were babies. But at the time, our friends were getting married and having kids. And some friends, in fact, were already divorced and then married again. And my buddy's like, they're lapping us (laughs) because we felt like they'd already had the marriage, had the divorce and gotten remarried and we couldn't even get one marriage going. So that's it feels like a competition sometimes. It really does. And so I would encourage you to, be real diligent with your thoughts surrounding this. And I remember when those impulses would come to my mind, I would just dispute them. I'd say to myself, Karen, it's not a competition because I didn't like what that brought up for me. Because inside then I would start to feel jealous and I didn't want to be a jealous friend. And I know you don't want to be jealous either. When we frame our lives as competitions though, then there's winners and there's losers. And that's how it feels. So I would encourage you to be on top of that, to stay really on top of any of those thoughts that cross your mind and just dispute them and challenge them with truth, which is your path is your path. Your journey is your journey. It's not a competition. It's not a competition. Now, it may feel unfair at times. It may feel that when you look at their lives, you see Like you mentioned, you're like, listen, I do have a great life and I know that. And I love that you brought that up. That's a strength that in the midst of the disappointment of not having the life that you anticipated, you still are able to recognize you have great friends, you have a great family, you take fabulous vacations. And all of that is a strength because every day we have the choice to look at what we don't have or what we do have in life. So for you to highlight that, even in your question to me, I think is a great strength. And you say, well, they also have that. Some of my friends who are married with families, they also have all that. Okay, again, I would ask you to reframe from the competitive, from the what they have versus what you have, and just look at what you have. (laughs) And be thankful for that, because of course, and you've heard me say this on the podcast and IGTVs that the psych research shows that gratitude and happiness always correlate. So, taking time every day to underscore and to focus on what we have is beneficial because it puts us in a place of being grateful, which is related to being happy. So it will elevate your mood. So I loved that strength that I saw in your question as well. But getting back to the competition piece, there will be times when it just feels like it's unfair that you are on this path. And it's not the path you would have scripted for yourself if you'd had the opportunity. And maybe it isn't fair. When I was single, sometimes i feel that. And I'd go, well, who said life was going to be fair? I mean, and then I would do something that I strongly recommend. Not everyone does because they don't like, again, it it pulls you back into a comparison mode. And I get why they don't want to do that. But it worked for me. When I'd catch myself saying things like, it's not fair, I'd say to myself, yeah, well, it wasn't fair that you have a mom and a dad who are still together and love each other and were amazing parents. A lot of people didn't have that. That wasn't fair either, yet you got that. Or it's not fair that you've never known a day of hunger in your life and there are millions of people starving all over the world. That's also not fair, Karen. Not everyone recommends that approach. It worked for me because it, again, helped me lean into gratitude by looking at things that I take for granted every day that other people have never had. And I would also use an REBT technique on myself, rational emotive behavior therapy. I'm going to do an entire podcast on this because it's a cognitive orientation that I still use on myself all the time. And REBT, rational emotive behavior therapy, helps us get irrational. And frankly, it's irrational to think that life is fair because it's not. And I don't like being irrational. So I would just challenge myself when I'd have that feeling. It's not fair. I'd say to myself, yeah, and it's not. And it's irrational for you to think that life is going to be fair. And that helped diffuse those feelings for me by getting rational about the thoughts fueling those feelings. Another thing that I did when I was single is I leaned into my faith. And in the happy times, we don't need faith. We need faith when we can't see clearly the future, when we can't see and understand why we're going through what feels very heavy and dark. So I would lean into my faith, like, I don't know. I don't know why God has this path for me. I don't know why I have so many heartbreaks when I have friends who got married, like I said, to their college sweetheart, and they never had one grown-up breakup in their whole life. That's just not fair. But I tried to pull back from that because, again, the comparison games got me nowhere. And that's why I devoted, like I said, an entire chapter in my book because Those games create jealousy. They take the focus off all the good things in your life. And comparison games can frankly cause us to become very bitter. And I know you don't want to be a bitter person. I didn't want to be a bitter person. So I really got very, very disciplined with my thoughts. And I wouldn't allow myself to go there. When some of those thoughts came up, I'd say, stop it, Karen. It's not a competition. And I would redirect my thinking to something positive, something I was grateful for and i just wouldn't i wouldn't let them fester it's really a choice it's not easy but it's pretty simple in the sense that you just don't allow yourself to frame your life as a competition because it's not it absolutely isn't unless you decide it's a competition and then you're going to feel as if you're losing and you know if you're honest with yourself, that a lot of the people that you know who have on the outside that life that looks exactly like what you want, you know that it's not perfect inside. And frankly, and this is not to disparage anyone who got married at the more expected traditional time, but many of those people did so. And they oftentimes did so without the best reasons. They married someone because he was the one in front of them at that particular time. And I'm 28 and I want to get married and I'm dating so-and-so, so so let's just do this. I'm not even saying it's conscious. There's so much pressure in society for us to keep on the path and meet these milestones at the expected quote-unquote time that many people step into relationships and yes, it looks great on the outside, but no, they didn't marry the love of their life. And they're going to make it work and that's great. And maybe they fall in love to some degree at some point, having shared lives, sharing children, and that's great for them. But it's not the path that I would recommend. I would recommend that we wait for the right person and that extraordinary connection that I do believe is available for us, even if we're after 40. And I also want to turn your attention to an episode that I did with Treva Brandon Scharf. Her brand is called The Late Blooming Bride. Treva didn't meet her husband until she was 50, and she is happily married, and yes, she experienced all the bumps and bruises and the frustrations along the way that you're experiencing, but she wouldn't change it. She wouldn't change her life to settle for someone and have an okay, mediocre relationship at 35 because, who? at least I'm married now, and I'm not feeling like I'm falling behind in the race, quote unquote. My episode with Treva is episode 32. It's called You Can't Hurry Love interview with the late blooming bride. Trevor and I also collaborate almost every week with our dating hot takes. And we recently, if you go to my page and hit on my IGTV section, there's a recent one that's titled, I'm turning 40 and I feel awful. And it was a listener who'd written in with this exact concern that she felt like she was hitting this milestone and nothing that she had hoped to have in place at this age was in place, and she was feeling demoralized. So I think that would be encouraging for you as Trevor and I share what we did to try to remain hopeful and believing that our person was out there and true love was possible, even though it hadn't arrived at a time that we would have preferred. Finally, I'll leave you with another podcast episode. It's episode 99 with Melanie Notkin of the Savvy Anti brand. Melanie is also in her early 50s and not yet married. She would like to be married. She still believes in love and hopes to meet her person. She also deeply wanted to be a mother, and that hasn't happened for her. She would definitely resonate with everything you brought up in your question. The episode is called Otherhood, single women without kids who want them. And Otherhood is the name of her book, which is another excellent resource that I would recommend to you to address the concerns of your question. Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram, where I post original quotes, Infographics, and I tackle trending topics in my love smarter, not harder IGTVs. On Insta, you can find me at Dr. Karen, dr.karin. I'm also on Facebook at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril and on Twitter at Hi, Dr. Karen Anderson. Eyes up to Karen. I need your advice. I've been seeing a boy for two months. Um, we formed a very great friendship. Shortly after that, we formed uh, an intimate uh, relationship. And I wanted to label it, so I asked him where where we stand, and we fought. And since then, we've been arguing for the last couple of weeks. I ended it because I was very upset with him, and I overreacted. Um, we spent two weeks now not speaking to each other, and I reached out, and he's stonewalling me. What do I do? I feel like I've pushed him away and broken his trust. I feel he has commitment issues, but I really like him and I want to make it work. Please help. How do I regain his trust? And how do I make it work? I'm sorry you're going through this. It's so painful when we are falling for someone and we have this great friendship in place, and then it moves to the physical level. And then there's a natural, normal desire To have a label, to have some legitimacy to the relationship. My first recommendation is you take a listen to my episode with Dr. Dwayna Welch. It's episode 92. It's based on her book, Love Factually 10 Proven Steps from I Wish to I Do. Dr. Welch's philosophy on dating and the recommendations she makes are all backed by science. She's a total psych nerd, which I love. She's been on the podcast now twice. Last time she talked about in episode 102 about attachment styles and dating. These episodes have been very popular with listeners because we want to have some concrete science-based approaches to the dating realm. One of the things Dr. Welch would say here is that moving to a physical intimacy before the commitment has been established Puts the steps out of sequence such that if a woman is hoping for a legitimate relationship, it often won't happen. Which is why she recommends, again, based on evolutionary psychology and the research that has come from that, she recommends that women do not become physically intimate with a man until he asks her to be exclusive. She gives all the reasons behind that and the science behind it as well. And I know this may not feel very comforting because that's not the sequence of events that happened with you. And I don't mean to be like, oh, this is what you should have done because I know that's not helpful in this situation with this man. At the same time, he's stonewalling you. You've reached out. He's not communicating. So this might be over, which I know is hard to hear. And I'm not saying that Dr. Welch's approach is a foolproof plan and whoever you date next, you will marry because you followed her step-by-step instructions. Because no, sometimes we date someone and we're not going to end up with them because they weren't the right person for us. We can't discover that they weren't the right person for us until we've dated them. But we can use science to date from an empowered standpoint and date, as Dr. Welch puts it, as high-status women. And high status women are pursued. High status women date many men until the one that they like best asks them to be exclusive. Until that time, a high status woman is not giving any one man all of her time, all of her attention, or her body. This keeps her empowered, and people hate the word power when it comes to relationships, but they Always have a power play at work. And I want to encourage my community to date from an empowered position as high status women because research shows that is the most likely way that we will get the goals we want in our love life. And because I know that dating from this vantage point helps our self esteem, helps us feel better about ourselves, we're more confident all of that. And one of the things we do when we make him ask us to be exclusive is we show him that we are to be pursued because we are high status. We don't turn the tables and pursue him. We don't ask him to be exclusive. We don't ask him what's the label on this relationship because that lowers our status. And by the way, Dr. Welch points out that this isn't conscious. It's not like guys are running around consciously thinking, oh, she asked me to be exclusive, so I see her as less desirable. No, it's all based on biology in ways that we are not fully aware of, but are operating and influencing us very strongly. And I also know much of this sounds very archaic and not very feminist, But to me, empowering women to get what they want in life is what I'm about. So you can label it whatever you want, but I want women to date with the strategies and the techniques and the science that gets them the love they want. So getting back to your question, again, I realize that this may feel very woulda, shoulda, coulda. And if he continues to stonewall you, you have your answer. But the high status move at this point is to pull back. Stop reaching out. He knows what a wonderful person you are. If he wants a relationship with you that's legitimate and has a label, he knows how to get a hold of you. And if he doesn't, then as hard as that is to hear, you need to move on. And finally, I want to speak to something else you mentioned about breaking his trust. And that he has commitment issues. Now, he may or may not have commitment issues. And for that, I'd recommend my most recent podcast episode with Dr. Welch, in which we talk about attachment styles. He may have an avoidant attachment style, which looks like often a very intense connection in the beginning, and then it drops when things get real. And that could absolutely be what happened. You asked for things to get real, and he pulled away. And as I noted, Dr. Welch speaks to this in episode 102, where she talks about attachment styles and dating. But I just want to encourage you to reframe the notion that you broke his trust as if asking for a legitimate relationship was a violation of trust. I don't quite understand that. If you want to be with someone and you express that, That's not pushing. That's just asking. And if he gets pushed away, when you ask for a label, then you have your answer. I just know that women in general oftentimes take the responsibility of the relationship. Like it was my fault. I pushed him away. I scared him off. And really, no. (laughs) He's showing you who he is. It hasn't been that much time And he's showing you who he is. So I want you to take yourself off the hook for feeling like you violated his trust in some way. And I know this feels very like, what do you do now? And to reiterate, the high status move is nothing. You do nothing but start dating other people. And if he reaches back out and you do want to move forward again with him, then you do so from a high-status position. If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com, and click on the Work With Me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns, will target limiting beliefs and thought patterns, We'll learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood. We'll identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals. And we'll together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. And now, as promised, here's some more information on the book club and the support groups I'm rolling out this fall. So I did a little Instagram poll in my stories last week and asked you guys if you'd be interested in a book club or a support group, and you guys wanted both, so let's do both. I'm here for it. So my email community will be the first to hear about all the details and how to join. So if you're not part of the love and life inner circle, please head over to loveandlifemedia.com. Hit the subscribe tab and join my email list. You guys will be the first to know all the details and we're gonna start very soon. So head on over and get connected. The love and life hack for this week is, there's a resource for that. Whether you're in your 40s and starting to lose hope that you'll ever meet your person or you're in a relationship that's starting to dismantle and you're not sure what you did or if you could have done something differently, we are here for you. I'm here for you. My podcast is here for you. My guests are here for you. Their books are here for you. There is a resource to help you move forward empowered and high status take charge of your thoughts, take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen anderson April. It means everything to me that you've given me this time today. Thank you so much and please join my community. I want to continue to connect with you and serve you in whatever way I can. And until next time, make it a great week.